WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. Could see a thunderstorm. High 81 tonight overnight. Scattered thunderstorms possible. Low 70. And then Wednesday, sun and clouds. High 84. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 68 and raining up in New City and Rockland County. 67 and raining down in Chester and New Jersey. And it is 71 and kind of misty here in Midtown. So much to get to. And boy, it's a busy day as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. One of the many stories over the last 24 hours, and there's just been a busy news cycle, is another dead whale washed ashore on Long Island Monday, this time in Atlantic Beach in Nassau County. And... uh I'm sure you're like me asking this question again. So many whales. There's no word yet what killed this whale. It is the third one to wash ashore in the tri-state just in the past four days. You had over the weekend a dead whale washed up shore. The Jersey Shore lifeguards uh, spotted that carcass off Long Branch on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection says that whale had significant injuries to its head, suggesting it may have been hit by a vessel. But uh, when you do the f- total count over the last two or three years of the number of whales, it seems it has just been uh, unthinkable that we don't know exactly what's going on. Um, there are those wind turbines being built offshore in New Jersey, uh, off the coast. Uh, they want to do so on Long Island as well. There are some people who believe that somehow is messing with the whales, and that's why some of them have beached them, but beached themselves. Uh, but it's not just whales, by the way. Uh, there's been a ton of dolphins. Same thing as well. Of course, that doesn't get and make big news because dolphins are not the size of those whales, which are these humongous humongous, you know, really, in the end, gentle creatures in the ocean. But uh, we are going to do more of a deep dive than we have recently to sort of see who we can get to talk to us about what might be going on. You have the federal agencies who've pushed back against the idea that these wind farms have anything to do with the fact that the whales are beaching themselves. But the timing's awfully interesting. The minute those things started to be constructed is when those whales have started to beach themselves in a big way. So when we do, when we get more details, and we're starting to do this already, we will pass them on to you, but upsetting to see yet another whale beaching themselves this time on Long Island. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. It's four indictments now for Donald Trump. The White House on the defensive over Hunter Biden. The blame game in Hawaii well underway. A crazy bus crash in Times Square. And that other story we just did, another whale washes ashore this time on Long Island. All right, let's get into it. At 5.04, former President Donald Trump and 18 of his allies and supporters indicted last night by a Georgia grand jury in connection with his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results in the Peach State. 
also charged in the indictment were former Trump attorneys Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, and Kenneth Chesbrough. Also accused were former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, ex-Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark, and Trump 2020 Election Day Operations Director Michael Roman. All right, so top, uh, at the top of this list, the 77-year-old former president faces 13 counts in this case, matching a docket prematurely posted to the Fulton County Superior Court's website yesterday. So what was uh, interesting and upsetting, depending on what side of the aisle you are on, was uh, people seem to have hold of this paperwork before others. It seemed the Trump lawyers were the last to find out about this. The charges against the former president include violation of the Peach State's anti-racketeering law, conspiracy, false statements, and asking a public official to violate their oath of office. Uh, the Fulton County District Attorney says... Former President Trump was part of a criminal conspiracy to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. Here she was last night. The indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump. That's Democrat Fannie Willis. She says Trump has until noon next Friday to voluntarily surrender. Trump faces those felony racketeering charges or more. The 97-page indictment includes 41 felony counts. 18 and other people. Uh, 18 other people have been charged in the case, including, like I said, Rudy Giuliani, the uh, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. More here from Fannie Willis. Through participation in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office. So we heard this had been coming for a number of weeks now. They were getting and ready in Georgia to make this announcement, as they did last night. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday the 25th day of August, 2023. So Willis now uh, gives a timeline for a potential trial. This was part of her press conference last night out of Georgia. We do want to move this case along, and so we will be asking for a proposed order that occurs a trial date within the next six months. And Georgia... And Georgia police have said they'll release a mugshot of the former president when he's arraigned for these alleged election crimes. That has not happened in the other three indictments. The Fulton County Sheriff, Pat Labatt, has promised reporters he will provide them with a mugshot of the former president. Unless someone tells me differently, we are we are following our part, our, our normal practices. And so it doesn't matter your status. We have mugshots ready for you. Yeah, it'll be interesting what kind of mugshot we get from the former president. Unless someone tells me differently, we are are following our our, our normal practices. All right, so you can imagine there is a lot of reaction to this. Much of it, of course, negative from the Republican side. We're going to get into that in just a moment. We'll hear from the uh, some people, some lawyers on the other side that represent the president from WABC News Time 509. Okay, former President Trump, 18 of his allies, supporters indicted last night by a Georgia grand jury in connection with efforts to overturn the 2020 election results in the Peach State. We're getting response from the Republican side. One is uh, Trump attorney Alina 
Haba says uh, she was one of the last to know about this, and she was surprised that it seemed other people had this paperwork before she did. I don't think you can forget about the TikTok that's happening in the courtroom. I think that says it all. The fact that we have pr- people standing by and leaks to the press before I've even seen his indictment, before the indictments even come out, is exactly the problem that we have in this country at this moment. This is ex- exactly what we need to fix in 2024, frankly. We have somebody who questioned the the integrity of the election, questioned whether there was any problems with the election, which we've seen come out. There have been problems. And now he's being allegedly criminally charged. And the press is in a courtroom waiting. But his attorneys are sitting on Fox News with no knowledge. This is the problem with Mm. America right now. It's a politicization. And Fannie, by the way, on Thursday and Friday, updated her campaign website. Has anybody spoken about that? It's a ploy. It's election election interference. And it's political lawfare. And I'm frankly just sick of it. It needs to end. This country cannot take it anymore. That's Trump attorney Alina Hobbit. Now some Republicans lining up behind the former president. Some people, some of them who are not necessarily big fans of his, including Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Well, Sean, it certainly appears that we're going to see an indictment from the grand jury in Georgia that may well be coming out tonight. It could come within the next hour. And and I, I don't know what's going to be in it. There are lots of rumors. There are allegations of, of RICO charges. We don't know what's in it. But 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 you ask what my reaction is. I'm pissed. I'm pissed at these over and over and over again. If their indictments tonight will be the fourth indictment of Donald Trump. This is disgraceful. Our country is over 200 years old. We have never once indicted a former president or a candidate and a leading candidate for president. And this is Joe Biden and this is the Democrats weaponizing the justice system because they're afraid of the voters. This is disgraceful. It is wrong and it is an abuse of power by angry Democrats who have decided the rule of law doesn't matter to them anymore. It doesn't end with Ted Cruz. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, of course, the senator from South Carolina, says there's no way Trump will get a fair trial in Georgia. I know that Fulton County is the most liberal county, I think, in all of Georgia. The DA there is a Democrat. Graham says the charges should never come from a county. And shouldn't this really be done by a statewide official? If there's a crime against the people of Georgia, shouldn't it be done by somebody like the attorney general? And Rudy Giuliani, who's named in this indictment, uh, releasing a statement last night. uh, I'll just read you what he wrote. He said, this is an affront to American democracy and does permanent harm to our justice system. It's just the next chapter in a book of lies with the purpose of framing President Donald Trump and anyone willing to take on the ruling regime. They lied about Russian collusion. They lied about Joe Biden's foreign bribery scheme. And they lied about Hunter Biden's laptop hard drive proving 30 years of criminal activity. He says the real criminals here are the people who brought this case forward both directly and indirectly. That from former Mayor Rudy Giuliani sending that statement last night. And so, of course, it was a long evening for the former president. That had come after he had lost a battle here in New York earlier in the day. The former president's bid to have the judge removed in his hush money case here in Manhattan has been rejected. Judge Juan Marchand says he carefully weighed the legal standards for recusing himself after Trump's legal team cited alleged conflicts of interest. The judge ultimately declined to recuse himself from overseeing the case, saying he's certain he can be fair and impartial to the former president. Lawyers argued the judge's daughter presented him with a conflict of interest because she's head of a digital marketing company that works with Democratic candidates. 
I'm Brad Siegel. All right, so that's four indictments in all against the former president. Uh, now let's check in with the current president who has his own issues. The White House says President Biden was never in business with his son, Hunter. They continue to push back against those claims. They keep turning up documents and witnesses showing that the president wasn't involved, uh, never discussed these business dealings and did nothing wrong. That's Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says the investigations led by House Republicans have yet to turn up substantial evidence to prove those allegations. There's been zero evidence showing otherwise. And so that's what we have seen over the past several months. That's what we have seen over the past several years. But House Republicans have accused the president of being involved in an influence peddling scheme. That is what the president believes. He believes that this White House will not politicize the Department of Justice. Yeah, so uh, he then goes on to talk about this um, uh, special appointed prosecutor, David Weiss, who's leading the case in this Hunter Biden investigation. Republicans slamming Attorney General Merrick Garland's decision to grant Weiss special counsel status last week. Uh, here's what the White House had to say about that. This was done under the leadership of a Trump appointed U.S. attorney. Yes, yeah, so there wasn't a whole lot about that. Some Republicans, of course, slamming the appointment of David Weiss to investigate the criminal conduct of Hunter Biden. Texas Congressman Troy Nels says he gave the president's son a sweetheart deal once and will likely do it again. This is nothing more than just the corrupt DOJ under Garland. It's nothing more than to provide cover to the Biden family. David Weiss wanted to be the special counsel. He requested it. You know, he was the one that gave Hunter the sweetheart deal. This is the corruption that you see in Washington that's been taking place for decades. Yeah, and the uh, meanwhile, the White House is facing a lawsuit after changing the rules to allow them to deny an African reporter's press pass renewal. The White House changed the rules in May to allow a White House press pass to be rescinded for the first time in history. Today, News Africa reports it comes after African reporter Simon Ataba began shouting his questions because he had been ignored by the White House press secretary for nine months. The news outlet claims Ataba's emails go unanswered and he He's been restricted from attending all of the president's events, including press conferences. Ataba filed a discrimination lawsuit after the White House refused to renew his press pass. The suit calls the discrimination content-based regulation and viewpoint discrimination, which violate his First Amendment rights. I'm Rebecca Hughes. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk. It's Tuesday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Good morning, Noam Layden. More big news Coming out of Jetsland with free agent running back Dalvin Cook now planning to sign a one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million with New York. A source did reveal last night after spending almost a full day at the Jets facility last month, the 28-year-old four-time pro bowler has decided that he wants a taste of what Aaron Rodgers and the new-look offense are cooking up for Gang Green. The move comes after the veteran quarterback in Rodgers volunteered to take a $35 million pay cut, creating financial flexibility for the Jets to sign big-ticket players, such as Cook. He'll join Cook, that is, uh, budding star back Brees Hall and a now very enticing Jets backfield that is, of course, upon Hall's return from ACL surgery. So looking forward to Dalvin Cook in green. To the Diamond in Queens we go now, where the Mets grabbed their second straight victory over the Pirates by a score of 7-2 to in the first of three with Pittsburgh. Brendan Nimmo, Daniel Vogelbach, and Jonathan Arauz all went deep. For New York and route to the win on the hill, the bullpen had to pick up a labor and Carlos Carrasco who exited after only three innings of work, and they were able to do just that and shutting out Pittsburgh from that point on. The Mets will see if they can make it three straight in the middle game with Pittsburgh tonight. Scheduled for a 7-10 p.m. first pitch, David Peterson 
is uh, set to start against Pittsburgh's Bailey Falter. For the Yankees, they lose their third straight at the hands of the Braves by a score of 11-3 in Atlanta. Clark Schmidt simply did not have it on the mound for New York, allowing eight runs on nine hits while failing to get out of the third inning. The Bomber Bats contributed some, but without much of anything to show for their 11 hits as the Yanks now sit just one game over 500 and fall another half game back for the last American League wildcard spot, now five and a half games back. They'll see if they can rebound tonight in Game 2 with Atlanta set for a 7.20 p.m. First pitch, Luis Severino is scheduled to go on the hill against Atlanta's Bryce Elder. Here with sports on 77 WABC. No, I'm Justin Allen. WABC News Time 519. Let's go over to Hawaii. Hawaii's governor warning many more bodies could be found as the death toll keeps rising. The fire has so far claimed over 90 lives, and Governor Josh Green warns crews could find... 10 to 20 people per day, probably until they finish their search. Green says, uh, Josh Green says, the wind-driven flames that tore through the town of Lahaina on the island of Maui spread at a rate of one mile every minute, which gives you a good sense of why people were not able to escape. Damage is estimated at more than five and a half billion dollars. The thought is that number will go higher. A FEMA on the ground, but there's been a lot of controversy over what they've done so far. They're in Hawaii, they say, with the recovery efforts well underway. Oahu, that is staffed with personnel and integration members that work side by side with the state of Hawaii each and every day. FEMA Administrator Dean Criswell says the agency working to move residents displaced by the fires into hotels, temporary housing. The coming days and the weeks, they're going to be tough. But we are going to be with the people of Hawaii as I have committed to the governor every step of the way. This is in coordination with the governor as he has also stood up a program to provide Airbnb rooms or other hotel rooms to support residents. That as the search for more body goods go on in Maui. Of course, everybody has a story to tell of how they were able to escape this nightmare. I ran out of the car and ran for my life, ran down to the ocean. I was only a quarter mile from the ocean. And they stayed in their car. They three of my friends in one car and two dogs died. Yeah, he uh, that's his name is David. He didn't give us his last name, but he said, um, thank God he didn't stay in the car. He understands why people thought that might be the right move when they saw these flames coming towards and him. And then I saw one Fred dead on, dead on the ground like a piece of charcoal, like, like Pompeii almost, just dead. I mean, there's nothing you could do. It was that fast. And there's still families who are searching for loved ones today waiting to get word. We've been to police station. We called Red Cross anywhere that we can find them, but nothing, no zero. Yeah, so the thought is that maybe they were killed amid the flames. They haven't been found yet. So we're still waiting for the calls from the government or Red Cross, but still waiting, hoping. That goes on as a lawsuit claims the power lines from Hawaiian Electric sparked the Maui fire. Some residents in Lahaina say the utility failed to shut off power ahead of the wildfires. They filed a class action lawsuit already against the utility. Officials have yet to confirm the exact origins of the fire. That is former Hawaii Congress, uh, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard um, was on Katz and Cosby last night. Uh, of course, Katz and Cosby heard every single day here, 5 p.m., uh, talking about what's going on in Hawaii at the moment. Brush fires are quite common in West Maui uh, and the Lahaina area, especially during this time of year. Drought is very common here. There are often restrictions on water use. Uh, those small brush fires are normally able to be put out and contained very quickly. The issue here was a was a combination of, of brush fires, 
uh, hurricane-level winds of 90 to 100 miles an hour moving through because of Hurricane Dora that was traveling south of the Hawaii Island chain, combined with what those winds were doing in knocking over uh, electrical power lines. Yeah, and she says that um, Tulsi Gabbard, the former congresswoman from Hawaii, says she's frustrated by the response so far. She says, yeah, FEMA's on the ground, but she said there's a lot of military might that could come in and help with the process as well, and they haven't been welcomed in. The, the level of military resources here is is significant, and not only that, but they're very experienced in uh, what we call in the military HADR, Humanitarian Assistance Disaster Relief. They are chomping at the bit to be able to deploy those resources and support to the community here on Maui. They can't do so until FEMA, as the lead federal agency, gives them the green light. And the former congresswoman going to be back on this morning, 7 o'clock, with Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning to give us even more information and the latest update from Hawaii. That as former President Trump is criticizing the handling of these wildfires. Our government was not prepared. And very importantly, the aftermath is going very poorly with the governor of the island wanting to do nothing but blame it on global warming. Trump uh, ripping President Biden's no-comment response when the current president was asked about the rising death toll there. I would like to express my sympathy and warmest regards to the people of Hawaii and specifically all of those who have been so gravely and irreparably hurt by the tragedy of the wildfires in Maui. It is a disgraceful thing that Joe Biden refuses to help or comment on the tragedy in Maui. And California apparently helping the animals affected by the wildfires in Maui. There's a team uh, trained to work behind fire lines and uh, they're working for uh, pets, looking for animals in distress and they're uh, in Hawaii today. They are trained and ready to go. They know exactly what equipment to bring what type of clothes to wear. Um, they have the tools to help animals in need. Yeah, so just a mess overall in Hawaii, of course, hoping the best for everybody that's trapped there or looking, uh, you know, they're going to have to start their lives over. No two ways about it. Of course, again, 7 o'clock this morning, the former congresswoman from Hawaii, Tulsi Gabbard, will give us the latest on Hawaii during Sit and Friends in the morning. WABC News Time 525. Officials say it could take months, if not years, to determine the cause of a massive house explosion in Pennsylvania this week. Uh, here's what it sounded like. Someone had their doorbell camera caught this all. Yeah, a father and son were killed. Several others were injured and nearly 60 responding firefighters were treated for minor injuries in this Pittsburgh suburb. The explosion was captured by a neighbor's ring camera. It's not clear what set it off. And amid all this, you might not be surprised after uh, doing 26 minutes of pretty grim news. Americans are consuming a little more alcohol these days. And really, I guess, who can't blame them? Gallup's latest consumption habits poll shows 62% of Americans say they had occasion to use alcoholic beverages such as liquor, wine, or beer. That's in line with its findings for more than eight decades that the company has been tracking the numbers. It peaked in the late 70s at 71%. Meanwhile, this year, 38% say they do not drink at all. 24% say they don't care for alcohol at all. For those who do drink, 69% say they drank in the past week, 32% in the past day. I'm Brad Siegel. Okay, the opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street after a higher close Monday to the start the week. Tech stocks were actually 
Among the bright spots with the S&P 500 and NASDAQ were rebounding after losses last week. At the closing bell, the Dow gained 26 points. S&P 500 rose 25. The NASDAQ climbed 143 points. We have a lot more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. A wild accident just around the corner from us on Madison Avenue last night. We'll get into that before the morning is out. What is going on on Long Island with drunk drivers uh, kidding and killing people? We're going to get into that story because there was another accident over the weekend, a deadly one, before we head out of here. New York City landlords who rent spaces to illegal pot shops are going to be in a lot of trouble if they continue to do so. And a wild scene at a Brooklyn fire as people jump to save their lives. One guy from six stories up. We'll get into those stories and more after this. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Anthony Weiner, the middle, unplugged. I'm really pleased to be joined this week by author Idala. He is the managing partner of Idala, Bertuna, and Cayman's Law Firm. And also, he is my competitor because he is the host of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Arthur, thanks for joining us. Everyone who is in one of the co-conspirators, with the possible exception of the last one, were really actively in there as part of this. And if Donald Trump is going to say, well, co-conspirator number two told me this was okay, you really do have a case where the president is going to have to turn on someone here, unless I've got that analysis wrong. No, I don't think you have it wrong. It's just so, look, I'm 55 years old. This is just unlike any other case. Like, I've never come across a case where there's six unindicted co-conspirators. There's sometimes one or two, but like never six. Like, no, they just, they charge everyone. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 15th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today could see a thunderstorm. High 81. Tonight, overnight, scattered Thunderstorms possible, low 70. And then Wednesday, tomorrow, sun and clouds, high 84. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 68 raining in New City up in Rockland County. 67 raining down in Chester in New Jersey. And we'll call it 70 and misty here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour just a couple blocks away from our studios. Eight people injured when a bus smashed into a construction lift. This was in Midtown. Midtown last night. The collision, East 48th and Madison Avenue, about 8.30. A construction worker was on the scene, and uh, the, we know they have those guys with, like, the stop signs and the flags, and they try to get you around what's going on. Well, he says he was waving this bus around the construction scene, and for some reason, they smashed right into this construction lift. We have flaggers with 
stop signs and slow signs, and we were directing everybody to be on the far lane. And the bus went around the flagger and came in back into the lane. Yes, yeah, so that construction worker says uh, the fault uh, directly on the part of the bus driver. Uh, police have not uh, told us weighed in on this yet, but uh, if he's right, it looks like that's the case. Eight people, minor injuries, thankfully, uh, being evaluated. Here's one of the people who was on the bus who said it was, you know, pretty crazy. It was like very, very like instant because I was in the front of the bus. And like when it all happened, it just felt like in a movie. It was like a glass everywhere. Everybody started screaming and just like jumped onto the other side of the bus. It was just, it was crazy. Yeah, police investigating again. The good news, the injuries all minor. Out to Long Island where a family is left reeling after a fatal wrong way crash over the weekend. Nassau County police say Soteria Spanos was driving drunk Northern Boulevard in Laurel Hollow when he crossed over the yellow line on Sunday slamming into a Ferrari, killing both people inside, a 37-year-old man and a woman who have two kids. Those two victims uh, identified as Odalia and Ismane Arena. They live in Syosset. Here's one of their neighbors. Devastated. They had two small kids. It was... shouldn't happen. It's... uh, there's too many crashes. It's out of control. According to police, Spanos, who's uh, 32, drinking three times over the legal limit when he crashed into this Ferrari. As you heard, the couple leaves behind two small daughters. Within the past week, five other people, including a six-year-old girl in West Hempstead and a family of four in Massapequa, have died at the hands of drunk drivers in Nassau County. Nassau County police noticing what's going on and vowing to stop these dangerous drivers. We have already seen... An increase of both DWI arrests by 32%, summonses are up by 40%, and our deaths on the road are down by 18%. Both Nassau Suffolk counties have seen an increase in traffic deaths between 2019 and 2021. I have three small kids, and it crushes me to think that your life could be changed in an instant. Something's got to change. The alleged drunk driver in this weekend case faces just a slew of charges, including aggravated homicide, DWI, and manslaughter. 535, let's bring it back into the city. New York City going to go hard after landlords renting their places out to illegal pot shops. There are so many illegal pot shops across the city. Uh, Councilwoman Lynn Shulmans says there are about 8,000 unlicensed marijuana dispensaries just in the five boroughs right now. They prevent licensed sellers like this one here from opening legitimate businesses and they robbed the city of much-needed tax revenue. Yeah, part of the problem is the rollout of the legal pot shops been awfully slow. What is there, four or five of them? There's not many. So people go to the illegal ones to get weed. Her legislation that became law now, in effect, allows the city to fine landlords knowingly leasing to these businesses $5,000 for the first offense, $10,000 for the second offense. This is one of the city's latest moves to try and crack down on illegal pot shops. Illegal! shops that are undermining the entire market are selling to people that are underage. They are using cartoony packages. 
Here's the issue, though, for the building owners. The people who own those illegal pot shops, generally, they pay their rent. So that's been the issue. Is like, yeah, okay, if they pay the rent, we're going to sort of look the other way. But no more. If you do that, you'll be fined all kinds of money. Uh, the Real Estate Board of New York, they say they back this new law from the city council. These storefronts and mobile retailers have become hotspots for illegal drug sales and distribution. These storefronts have also impacted a community's streetscape or quality of life. By the way, no matter where you go, whether it's uh, New York or in on the other side of the river where pot is legal as well, New Jersey, illegal pot shops everywhere. But when you hear 8,000, 8,000 illegal pot shops across the city, that is an astronomical number. WABC News Time 539, just a crazy wild scene. Brooklyn apartment building yesterday, East Flatbush on Rockaway Parkway. A fire breaks out, top floor apartment, sixth floor. Two men uh, are caught amid this flames in this apartment, and they try to lower themselves down from the sixth floor. It did not work out well for one of the men who hit the pavement hard. The other guy, though, was somehow able to survive, jimming himself down a couple of floors and then jumping down below. There were lots of people down below trying to help them. I looked down, and I seen a man drop from the sixth floor down. The other one was hanging right there. And he just let go and burn his hand. And this day he just passed away a little while ago. One of the men fell into a small patch of grass in front of the building. He was taken to the hospital, serious condition. The second man fell onto the pavement a short distance away. Then as I'm helping him, I hear a, a scream and a boom. And the other guy fell out the other side of the window. Yeah, well, unfortunately, a gruesome scene. A deputy fire chief at the scene says uh, crews were able to knock down the fire pretty quickly. It, it was only in just one apartment. The firefighters on hand, they're able to contain it and knock it down fairly quickly and keep it contained to that top floor apartment. So the fire was started by some sort of explosion. Uh, the FDNY investigating, but they're calling the fire suspicious. Uh, the 76-year-old, we might have, we started to tell you the story yesterday morning, who was walking into Herald Square State about 1130 on Sunday night, a panhandler comes up to him, asks him for money. He kind of ignores him. And as he walks away, this panhandler pulls out a knife and stabs him in the chest. The uh, senior uh, stumbles into the subway station screaming for help. Thank God there were some riders there who called 911. I'm trying to enjoy my New York adventure, man, and just go to the subway. But someone gets stabbed. Like, bro, I love this city, but why do why the violence? There's no need for the violence. Can we enjoy life? Yeah, the uh, 76-year-old, we're told this morning, in critical but stable condition still at Bellevue Hospital. The creep who stabbed him is still on the loose. The NYPD says they've arrested and charged the man allegedly responsible for vandalizing the Bronx Republican Party headquarters office. The guy they got took a trash can, threw it into the window, shattering the glass completely. Republican City Council candidate Christy Morado shared photos of the destruction. The NYPD says 48-year-old Louis Monroe allegedly walked by the building on Williamsburg Road, grabbing the metal trash can, throwing it into the window before running away. Uh, the vandalism caught on video because it's just about cameras everywhere. And a guard in Westchester Square actually recognized his picture that was being passed around, told police, and they were able to pick up this guy and he was busted.
Uh, let's go out to New Jersey, where that building was condemned in Plainfield. More than one. Two buildings condemned last week in Plainfield. Last night, they held the first city council meeting since those buildings were condemned. And some of the tenants showing up saying, hey, why don't you go after the landlord harder? And our lives are miserable. Why didn't you come to our rescue sooner? Uh, some of those people standing up during this meeting last night saying, hey, the tenants have rights and you seem to have ignored them. Who's going to step up and help our elderly to help the displaced immigrants from that building? From my understanding, this is a sanctuary city. Sanctuary implies God. It implies peace. From what we saw in that building, there's no peace in that building. 80 families in all were chased from their homes uh, last Thursday, and a lot of them just sleeping on cots in the Performing Arts Center in Plainfield. Others were in the high school, but they'll have to be moved because school's going to start in a couple of weeks. Uh, a city council member, give him credit, he says, uh, we're to blame. We should have uh, known about this long before the building got so uh, ugly. Well, there's holes in the ceilings, holes in the floor rats, sewer sewer, uh, pipes that weren't capped correctly. The city has as much blame as the landlord because we let them get by with this. Residents expect landlords to provide a quality living arrangement. Residents rely on the city to make sure it happens. Yeah, look at that. That doesn't happen too often, taking blame. Uh, Tenants now, of course, concerned now that they're making the repairs and they don't know how long it's going to take. It could take a while. They say, oh, is he going to charge us more rent when they fix up the apartments? It's a great question. Uh, The town council could not answer that last night. A New Jersey man arrested after killing his wife and staging a robbery to cover up the crime. Prosecutors say 71-year-old Michael Manis killed his wife uh, last week, August 11th, and uh, called police a day later after first staging a robbery in their Hasbrook Heights home. Uh, he made a call around 5 p.m. Saturday and told police that uh, he found his wife dead in the apart in the house, and it looked like the house had been ransacked by a robber. Uh, police pretty quickly figured out what was going on. First, they took video from neighbor's uh, doorbell cameras to see what they could see. I couldn't even sleep last night. Yeah, I was like, wow. Uh, they said we need the evidence. Uh, there might be footage there mm-hmm. that like might incriminate him. Yeah, so they took that footage to put their investigation together. Uh, the Hasbrook Heights Police Department, the Bergen County Prosecutors, major crime squad on board on this. And they say that Manus, they f- realized very quickly, had made up the story. And then he actually confessed on Sunday night, admitted that he suffocated his wife with a pillow and staged the whole home invasion. He actually hid some of her jewelry in the basement ceiling and then took other items that belonged to his wife and threw them in a dumpster behind a 7-Eleven in Woodridge. So he had thought this thing out, but uh, he got caught in the end. Here's another neighbor. Uh, I get really surprised. I'm Actually, I'm sad, you know, so it's a really unfortunate whatever went on. Yeah, it's a quiet neighborhood. Nothing like this really ever happened, you know? Mm-hmm. People would just uh, do their things. Everyone's always friendly. Yeah. I mean, this house in particular... Um, Never really talks to the guy. Yeah. Well, it's always a quiet neighbor until a neighborhood until something like that happens. A motive for the killing not immediately clear. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Gnome Layden. More big news coming out of Jetsland with free agent running back Dalvin Cook now planning to sign a one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million with New York. 
The source did reveal last night, after spending almost a full day at the Jets facility last month, the 28-year-old four-time Pro Bowler has decided that he wants a taste of what Aaron Rodgers and the new-look offense are cooking up for Gang Green. The move comes after the veteran quarterback in Rodgers volunteered to take a $35 million pay cut, creating financial flexibility to sign big-ticket players such as Cook. He'll be joining Cook, that is, star back Brees Hall in a now very enticing Jets backfield. That is, of course, upon Hall's return from ACL surgery. To the Diamond we go in Queens, where the Mets grab their second straight victory over the Pirates by a score of 7-2 to in the first of three with Pittsburgh. Brandon Nimmo, Daniel Vogelbach, and Jonathan Arauz all went deep for New York in route to the win on the hill. The bullpen had to pick up a laboring Carlos Carrasco, who exited after only three innings of work, and they were able to do just that in shutting out Pittsburgh from that point on. The Mets will see if they can make it three straight in the middle game with Pittsburgh tonight, scheduled for 7-10 p.m. David Peterson will get the start against Pittsburgh's Bailey Falter. For the Yankees, they lose their third straight at the hands of the Braves by a score of 11-3 to in Atlanta. Wait. Can I ask you a question? Yes. So the, you said that the Mets have won two straight over the Pirates. No, no, no. They just won two straight generally. Oh. Yeah. I could have sworn I heard you say two straight over the Pirates. Well, there's no way you heard that, Noam. It's just a, it's a complete falsehood. Okay. Now you're just lying to the listeners. My God. He's not lying. The way you said it exactly What's was happened? this. Yes. The Mets get their second straight win over the Pirates. They beat the Braves on Sunday. Go back and read what you wrote. That's exactly how you stated it. Who is this voice out of here? <laughs> it's not Noam Lane. <laughs> My God. Anyway. It's the voice of God. Yeah, apparently. He's just grabbing microphones left and right. Where's the microphone? Where's the microphone? Uh, for the Yankees, they lose their third straight at the hands of the Braves. You knew he wasn't going to let that go. No. Yeah. <laughs> and by the, and let me make a distinction here. The, the Yankees haven't lost three straight to the Braves. They, they've just lost three straight, okay? So let me just get that out of the way. Uh, they lose 11-3. to three. In, uh, in Atlanta, Clark Schmidt, he just didn't have it on the mound for New York. He has eight runs over, uh, with over nine hits, failing to get out of the third inning. Bomber bats get 11 hits on the night. Nothing really to show for it other than those three runs. They fall uh, to 60-59, and 59, just a game over 500. Another half game back for the last American League wildcard spot. They'll see if they can rebound tonight in Game 2 with Atlanta. Set for a 7.20 p.m. first pitch. Luis Severino scheduled goal on the hill against Atlanta's Bryce Elder. Sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellis. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Trump indictment number four last night. Former President Donald Trump, 18 of his ally supporters indicted last night by a Georgia grand jury in connection with his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results in the Peach State. Also charged in this indictment were former Trump attorneys Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, and Kenneth Chesbro. Also accused were former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, ex-Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark, and Trump 2020 Election Director of Operations Michael Roman. So Trump himself faces 13 counts in the case matching uh, a docket that was uh, prematurely released last night before uh, Fannie Willis could come uh, forward with the charges. The Fulton County District Attorney, that's Fannie Willis, says President Trump was part of a criminal conspiracy to overturn Georgia's 2020 election results. She held a press conference last night. The indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump. Trump uh, has until noon next Friday to voluntarily surrender, faces those felony uh, felony and racketeering charges. This 97-page indictment released last night. Through participation in a criminal enterprise in Fulton County, Georgia, and elsewhere to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing 
Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office. So Willis is uh, setting out a timeline for a potential trial. I am giving the defendants the opportunity to voluntarily surrender no later than noon on Friday, the 25th day of August 2023. We do want to move this case along, and so we will be asking for a proposed order that occurs a trial date within the next six months. And Georgia police say they'll release a mugshot of former President Trump when he's arraigned for his alleged election crimes. The Fulton County Sheriff, Pat Labatt, had promised reporters that he would provide them with this mugshot. Now, that hasn't happened in any of the other three indictments, but apparently it'll happen in this one. Unless someone tells me differently, we are we are following our, part, our, our normal practices. And so it doesn't matter your status. We, we have mugshots ready for you. Unless someone tells me differently, we are, we are following our, part, our, our normal practices. Now, you imagine there's lots of response from the Trump team. We'll start with Trump attorney Alina Haba, who says uh, she's upset that some of this was leaked out before she got to see any of it. And um, she was forced to comment on this indictment before she even had some of the paperwork in front of her. But other people did. I don't think you can forget about the TikTok that's happening in the courtroom. I think that says it all. The fact that we have people standing by and leaks to the press before I've even seen his indictment, before the indictments even come out, is exactly the problem that we have in this country at this moment. This is exactly what we need to fix in 2024, frankly. We have somebody who questioned the the integrity of the election, questioned whether there was any problems with the election, which we've seen come out. There have been problems. And now he's being allegedly criminally charged. And the press is in a courtroom waiting, but his attorneys are sitting on Fox News with no knowledge. This is the problem with America right It's a politicization. And Fannie, by the way, on Thursday and Friday, updated her campaign website. Has anybody spoken about that? It's a ploy. It's election election interference. And it's political lawfare. And I'm frankly just sick of it. It needs to end. This country cannot take it anymore. Republicans lining up uh, behind the former president upset about this indictment. Texas Senator Ted Cruz, one of them who wasn't always a fan of Donald Trump, uh, he was speaking out just before the indictment was handed out because he had seen it had been leaked online. He was on with Sean Hannity last night. Well, Sean, it certainly appears that we're going to see an indictment from the grand jury in Georgia that may well be coming out tonight. It could come within the next hour. And, and I, I don't know what's going to be in it. There are lots of rumors. There are allegations of, of RICO charges. We don't know what's in it. But, but, but you ask what my reaction is. I'm pissed. I'm pissed at these over and over and over again. If there are indictments tonight, it'll be the fourth indictment of Donald Trump. This is disgraceful. Our country is over 200 years old. We have never once indicted a former president or a candidate and a leading candidate for president. And this is Joe Biden and this is the Democrats weaponizing the justice system because they're afraid of the voters. This is disgraceful. It is wrong and it is an abuse of power by angry Democrats who have decided the rule of law doesn't matter to them anymore. Ted Cruz, not the only Republican speaking out last night. Lindsey Graham, of course, from South Carolina, says there's no way Donald Trump will get a fair trial in Georgia. I know that Fulton County is the most liberal county, I think, in all of Georgia. The DA there is a Democrat. Uh, He goes on. And shouldn't this really be done by a statewide official? If there's a crime against the people of Georgia, shouldn't it be done by somebody like the attorney general? 
Rudy Giuliani, of course, named in this indictment as well, sent us a statement last late last night. Uh, he says this is an affront to American democracy, does permanent harm to our justice system. He says it's just the next chapter in a book of lies with the purpose of framing President Donald Trump and anyone willing to take on the ruling regime. The uh, former mayor goes on to say they lied about Russian collusion. They lied about Joe Biden's foreign bribery scheme, and they lied about Hunter Biden's laptop hard drive, proving 30 years of criminal activity. He goes on to say the real criminals here are the people who have brought this case forward, both directly and indirectly. That from Rudy Giuliani last night. And that was the only bad thing that happened to the former president yesterday. Uh, one of his other cases, uh, former President Trump's bid to have the judge removed in his hush money case here in Manhattan, that was rejected yesterday. Judge Juan Mershon says he carefully weighed the legal standards for recusing himself after Trump's legal team cited alleged conflicts of interest. The judge ultimately declined to recuse himself from overseeing the case, saying he's certain he can be fair and impartial to the former president. Lawyers argued the judge's daughter presented him with a conflict of interest because she's head of a digital marketing company that works with Democratic candidates. I'm Brad Siegel. All right, we're going to have a whole lot more on this fourth indictment coming up with Sid at 6 o'clock, and all day long for that matter, right here on 77 WABC.